This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hey there, welcome to episode number 82. We are 82 episodes into this podcast, and I am so thrilled that you are here. My name is Stephanie Mahachek, and I am the host of the Food Factor podcast, where we talk about all things nutrition and health and wellness related, but also we answer your questions. And one of the questions I've been getting a lot or a lot of of topics and things that have come up lately have been around inflammation. And I wanted to do another episode. I've done quite a few already on inflammation in various capacities, but I want to kind of summarize a few things because you may not want to go back to every single episode on inflammation, and that's okay. I am shocked to find out that a lot of people don't even know that they are inflamed. So I want to spend some time today talking about what is inflammation How do you know if you are inflamed? And what in the world do you do about it if you are? So what is inflammation? A lot of times when I say, when I say the word inflammation, people think of maybe like a a bee sting that gets swelled up, like swelling, pain. Those are all inflammation. It's signs that your body has some sort of inflammation somewhere. Inflammation can kind of be broken up into two categories. So you have acute which is basically what happens when you scrape your knee, you bump your head, um, you have like a short-term kind of inflammatory response. Your immune system is what causes inflammation. So I wanted to say that, so just so you know, kind of get a, a picture of that. Your immune system is what causes inflammation. So when you do scrape your knee and you have that pain, that redness, that swelling, all, that is all your immune system's response to protect that area of the attack or invasion or whatever. Because to your body, it is something is disrupting the natural balance of how things are, the homeostasis, if you will. So your body thinks we're under attack, so it sends its little first responders to the scene of the incident. And it will cause the swelling, cause the the pain, cause the redness because of all the the resources that it's using to help seal up that particular cut, wound, whatever. So that's acute inflammation. Now, you can also have chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation is when there is something attacking your body all the time. So it's more of a long-term response that your body is constantly protecting itself from. Now, I say protecting itself from, or I say, you know, incident. It doesn't always look like that. It's not like you're chronically scraping your knee or chronically, you know, cutting your hand or whatever. This is more an internal issue where something internally is inflaming your body. So I want to give an example because chronic inflammation is at I shouldn't say it's the root. If you go back to one of the previous episodes where we talk about what is the root cause of all disease, uh, we talk about chronic inflammation, we talk about inflammation, but that's not the root. So I'll break that down for you in a second here. Uh, A lot of of medical professionals and, and stuff that you see on social media might link inflammation as the root cause of all disease. 
it's a it's a causative factor to most if not all disease but it's not the root because something has to cause the inflammation so you have to keep going upstream to find the cause that's not the root that's the root response to the cause but it's not the root if that makes sense so what diseases are impacted by inflammation pretty much everyone every one of them depression dementia asthma Alzheimer's, arthritis, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, gut issues. I mean, every single disease that I can think of has a inflammatory component to it in some way. Now, if you have been diagnosed with a chronic disease like high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes or depression, you have to take a look now at the inflammation component to it. Now, I talk with people all the time who have some sort of chronic issue, and and maybe it's being managed by medication, maybe it's not. But even if it's being managed by medication, you're still not getting to the root of the problem. There's still something causing inflammation. It's just now being suppressed by medication. So some people are good with that. Some people want to get to the root and kind of get off of medication to each their own. I'm here to support you in whatever path you choose, but I want you to be aware of your options and what what you can do to help you just feel better. Even if you have a chronic condition that is being managed by medication, are you experiencing inflammation because of the medication? Are you experiencing other issues nutrition-related because of the medication? I'm not here to tell you to get off your medication. That's 100% not what I'm saying at all. But I want you to support your body while it's on the medication, if that makes sense. So chronic issues have an inflammatory component to them. Now, if you look at it from an internal perspective, kind of, you know, on that uh, that one show, The Magic School Bus, where they kind of like shrink down in this little like submarine type of thing and they like go in the body and they look at all the vessels and all the things. Kind of imagine that you're on the Magic School Bus for a second and think about going internal internally to your gut. Everything that you eat or drink or even breathe in, it comes in your body. So think about environmental toxins. Think about um, things like really harsh chemicals in the in the air that you breathe in. You're kind of like, oh man, that's that's really strong, or that burns my throat with certain cleaners and stuff. Like that. That's going in your body, and that's causing inflammation. Um, so when when your body has something that it ingests or intakes in some way. If it's not a nutrient, if it's not something that your body can use, it's going to look at it like a foreign invader because it is. It's not something that belongs in the body. So your first responders, your immune system is going to respond to that and help process it and help get it out of the body. And that sometimes can cause an inflammatory response. So think about if you have a chronic condition or if you constantly feel like you're inflamed, Think about what could be contributing to that. Now, you may be asking, well, how do I know if I'm inflamed? So there are some tests that you can take. Uh, Maybe you've already had some of these done, like blood work. So things like the C-reactive protein or CRP is usually pretty common on a standard um, uh, blood work panel. Um, if you have, if you are feeling kind of off and you, you maybe want to double check the next time you go into the doctor and make sure that they do the CRP, that's not the only indicator of 
of inflammation, but it is one that is pretty common. So I am one that always likes to try and take advantage of the lab work that is covered by insurance and take advantage of the, the labs that you may already have or may already be getting. So you don't have to spend money on specialty labs unless you truly need it. So take a look on your most recent blood work if there is something called CRP or C-reactive protein. If that one is elevated or if that's even like towards the upper end of normal, then you may be experiencing some chronic inflammation. There's also one called the ESR or the erythrocyte sedimentation rate. And that is uh, related to your red blood cells. And it's a special test that kind of shows... Um, if how how quickly the red blood cells fall to the bottom of a tube, a test tube, when they they test it. So if infl inflammation is present, it will fall faster. Um, that one I believe is also commonly found on most lab work, uh, just a standard panel. Um, but if you are specifically looking for inflammation, your doctor may have some other ones that they can add to the lab work so that you can just kind of track it. Because it's one thing to see, oh yeah, I'm inflamed, great. But you want to be able to track that. You want to make sure that the things that you're doing will are helping and that the the inflammation rate is going down at some point. So that's something to always keep an eye on as kind of like a baseline and just to track. So other signs not related to blood work are more physical signs, such, you know, things like headaches. If you have chronic headaches, headaches are inflammatory. They, there's inflammation going on somewhere in your head. So headaches, any type of pain. Pain is one of the indicators of inflammation. It can be one of the indicators of inflammation. So if you have just joint pain, muscle pain, stomach pains, just pain in general, there's a good chance you have some sort of inflammation present. Um, also, any type of discomfort. So people, it, it's really fascinating. People like to classify pain or discomfort differently. <laughs> so some people might say, it's a sharp stabbing pain, and somebody else might have the exact same pain and be like, it's kind of a dull ache. <laughs> you know. So it's however you want to describe discomfort, whether it's pain, whether it's you know, dull, soft, sharp, whatever, there could be some inflammation present. Also digestive issues. Now, if you're having uh, heartburn regularly, you better believe that you're going to have some inflammation present because those acids are burning your esophagus. When there is a burn, that's an injury. So you're going to have, your body's going to try and heal that and it's going to have some inflammation. Um, other things like uh, chronic constipation, diarrhea, just bubbly kind of guts, the like gurgly kind of guts in general, there could be some inflammation present as well because your your digestive system is not happy. It's it's being agitated by something. So there's a good chance that some inflammation could be present as well. Um, and of course, if you have digestive issues, that's a good sign that you also could have some nutrient deficiencies. Because as we've talked about previously, if your gut is inflamed, if your gut is angry, if it is agitated, if it feels like it's under attack, that's where the majority of your nutrients are absorbed from. So it's like you're scraping your knee, but on the inside of your guts. And so that inflamed redness and, and damage to any like lining of your gut if that's damaged, you're not going to be able to absorb your nutrients as well. So you could have some kind of secondary nutrient deficiencies all because of some inflammation because something's irritating the lining of your gut. That was a super fast overview of that. So if you need to replay that, uh, you know, please do. Um, but the bottom line is those are some ways to know if you are inflamed or if you have inflammation present. It's It goes 
further than just, I have an achy joint, my knees hurt, my back is achy, whatever. There could be some more internal things. And internally, that internal inflammation is where a lot of chronic conditions can start to pop up from. So um, again, uh, high blood pressure is inflammatory. That is your blood vessels being uh, internally damaged or inflamed uh, by something which causes more pressure and more your heart to work harder to pump the blood through the vessels. So there's definitely inflammation present there. There's definitely inflammation present when you have um, high cholesterol because your uh, cholesterol numbers, especially if you have high cholesterol and high blood pressure, your, uh, the, the rate of cholesterol in your bloodstream is higher. So you are putting more pressure on some of the arteries and vessels. And when there's some damage because of inflammation to the vessels, that is when the sticky plaques can then stick to the lining of the blood vessels and cause blockages and stroke and heart issues and all of those things, all because of inflammation being present in the first place that damages the blood vessels. So what the heck do you do? If you're like, oh my gosh, she's saying all the things, this is me, what do I do? Or this is my spouse, or this is my parent, or what do I do? Don't worry. First of all, let's look at the controllable factors in your life. There is a genetic component to most chronic conditions. So sometimes your genetics and your genes put you at a higher risk than somebody who maybe doesn't have those same genetic contributors. Doesn't mean you throw in the towel. <laughs> Doesn't mean you, you, you throw the white flag up. You're like, I'm done. This is it for me. You know, and you're all of the age of like 30. You're, you, there's still things that you can do. So how I look at it from a nutritional perspective, from a clinical nutrition perspective, is I look at inflammation and nutrition from kind of a two-step approach, like a one-two punch, if you will. So you could do all of the anti-inflammatory foods and diets and everything in the world that you can. But if you're not controlling the causative factors of inflammation in the first place, it's it's going to be like pouring water in a bucket with a hole in the bottom. Like it's just going to, it's not going to help long-term with the solution or the problem. So that's why I take a look first at some of the inflammatory causers. These would be things, there are environmental things, there are chemical things, there are, of course, my bread and butter, food-related things. So let's talk a little bit about all of them. So environmental contributors to inflammation. These are things like seasonal allergies, pollen, stuff in the air. Can you control that? Of course not. But you can understand how it contributes to inflammation and you can, you know, make a little, make a few adjustments accordingly. Um, one of my favorite things to do for people who have really bad seasonal allergies, luckily you kind of know when that's somewhat coming, when it's going to be an issue. Usually it's in the spring. Sometimes it's a, a fun little pop-up in the summertime. Um, sometimes a lot of times it's in the fall as well when things are kind of dying off. Um, so you can kind of somewhat predict that. And so if you're able to then lower other inflammatory contributors around that same time, you're setting yourself up for a little bit more pleasant of a allergy season time frame. Um, we'll go over more of that in a second, but um, you can kind of think of inflammation as like a, a bucket of water that's half full. So there's always going to be some 
present in some way. You know, you, we're not, I don't I don't believe there's ever a time where we are 100% inflammation free because you still have your immune system. <laughs> there's still something. There's always going to be something, but the goal is to have it have as minimal symptoms as possible. So think of the things that could contribute. So other things. So let's say you're holding your your bucket of water that's half full or half empty, however your however your outlook is. But let's say it's half full. And it's seasonal allergy season. So you can think of like the pollen and the ragweed and all that icky stuff that's adding to the bucket. So now the water level's rising a little bit. Now, let's say you're also uh, experiencing, or maybe you live by like power lines or um, a nuclear power plant or something like that. You have some of those other environmental contributors that are adding to your bucket as well. Uh, maybe you use uh, house cleaners that are very, very potent and very, very strong and they kind of burn when you breathe them in. That's also adding to your bucket. And eventually that that water level is going to overflow. And that's when you could have some really bad symptoms of inflammation. And if that's long term for you, then that's when we get into some of the chronic disease. Now, other contributors would be food. What we're eating, like our food is no longer actual good quality food anymore. It's it's most of it is processed chemicals, preservatives, food dyes and colors. It, it's kind of things that our body does not recognize as nutrients because they're not there. We don't get nutrients from a preservative. So take a look. Let's break that down. Some of the more common food related inflammatory contributors. So of course, I'm going to say sugar, right? Sugar, artificial sweeteners, these are most prevalent in our diets, like sugar and I've done tons of episodes on sugar, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But sugar, because it is in a lot of the foods and drinks that we consume regularly, we have to look at it as a contributor, because it's present regularly. I'm not saying you need to be sugar free. I'm just saying if you do have inflammation, if you do have high blood pressure, if you do have some of those chronic conditions, take a look at how much of the sugar and artificial sweeteners you're consuming. It may be adding to your bucket and causing the the levels to overflow. Your body, especially these artificial sweeteners, your body does not recognize those as food because they are a chemical formulated molecule it does not recognize it as food. And so anything that it doesn't recognize as food, it's going to think invader and it's going to send its little army to break it down, process it and do whatever. But that, of course, has an inflammatory component to it. It also activates cortisol and insulin, which are both long term inflammatory, even though there are our own hormones in our body that our body creates, our bodies are not designed to have high levels of cortisol and high levels of insulin all the time. They are supposed to be more of an acute response. And we have them, a lot of us, especially if you're high stress, a high sugary diet, your body will have cortisol and insulin present all the time. And that is inflammatory because it's not supposed to be there all the time. Um, Other things, so preservatives and food additives, big ones are going to be Uh, sulfates or sulfites, also nitrates or nitrites, which are commonly found in deli meats and hot dogs and um, wine and things like that. Uh, MSG is another one that is added a lot to things like soy sauce and different soups and dressings and and, uh, marinades as like a salty contributor. They are food preservatives, but they are um, very inflammatory in our body. That's that's not an exclusive list by any means. There's tons of preservatives. 
Um, but you can kind of take a look at the ingredient list on the foods and drinks that you're having. Are there any preservatives? Are there any sciencey chemically names on there that you don't know what it is? Chances are it's a sweetener or it's a preservative. So also trans fats. Now trans fats are hopefully on their way out of most things in the in the food market, but they are still present and sometimes they're called different names now instead of being called like previously it's things like partially hydrogenated oils like soybean oil, vegetable oil, partially hydrogenated is a trans fat. Um, so you'll see those a lot in baked goods or fast food or frying oils, margarine, things like that. Um, but there is some regulation happening now to hopefully try and get trans fats out of the the food population. But, you know, there's always loopholes. I wouldn't rely solely on that. You still got to kind of look for it. Um, but they are very inflammatory. It's a harsh fat that is modulated and formulated to preserve a food item on the shelf longer. So yay, your, you know, cookies aren't going to spoil on the shelves, but what is it doing to your body? Um, also, Common things, anything that's going to irritate your body, or if you happen to be sensitive to certain things like gluten or dairy or egg or corn, if you're particularly sensitive, if, if you have a reaction or even if it's a mild discomfort to any of those foods, there's some inflammation present then. It's not going to be for everyone. I'm not going to say like everyone needs to get rid of gluten or everyone needs to get rid of dairy. But take a look at what happens when you have it. Is your body having a response to them in any way? Do you get headaches after you have dairy? Do you get digestive issues after you have dairy or gluten or corn? Do you get a rash? Do you get, you know, itching of the tongue? Do anything like that when you have certain foods? Then take a look at, at the contributor and is that causing chronic inflammation if you're having those regularly? Uh, I did a whole episode on the non-celiac gluten sensitivity. If that is something that you're like, what? That sounds interesting. Um, go back a few episodes. I think it's 70-something, 70 71. Somewhere in the 70s, there was a, a replay episode of non-celiac gluten sensitivity and how prevalent that is and what it can do to our bodies. So uh, take a l listen to that episode if you want. Um, also, so dairy, let's talk about that for a second. Dairy, 65 to 75% of the general population is lactose intolerant or lactose sensitive. So that's a high number of people who may or may not even know that they are sensitive because, you know, intolerance or, or sensitivities is a spectrum. And some people have higher, you know, tolerance, some people have lower. Um, but also, you may notice that certain parts of the year, certain times a year, it doesn't bother you. And then certain times a year, it does. So again, this is an example of that bucket of water. If you happen to have high, uh, really bad seasonal allergies and then you have dairy, chances are you're adding to that bucket and the symptoms might overflow. So, or, or the water might overflow and cause symptoms. So you may be more sensitive to dairy at certain times of the year if other things are going on. Uh, it's not uncommon. I personally experience this. If I have high stress or certain times of the year, if, if seasonal allergies are present um, and I have dairy, I have worse gut issues with dairy than other times. Um, so that that's totally common to see because of, again, it's a, it's a contributor. It's not the sole cause. It's a contributor. So what other things are contributing to it? Um, also, the lactose in the dairy, it doesn't get broken down. That's the whole point. That's the whole issue with intolerance and lactose sensitivity is because the, the sugar in the dairy product, the milk, it, it the lactose does not get broken down, which causes inflammation in the gut because there's something in the gut that our body can't break down. So it's going to cause inflammation. 
All right, so obviously that's a, uh, just a few of the things that can cause inflammation. Other ones that we didn't really dive deep into but are a huge problem would be food colorings, food uh, flavorings, anything, even if it says calorie-free, sugar-free, whatever. If it tastes like something, it's got a flavor in there. And unless it is a food component added to whatever you're having, meaning like it's apple puree or, you know, banana or something in there that is an actual physical structure of that food. It is chemically removed from something or made in a lab to taste like something. That means it is a chemical component to it. And our body does not break down or does not view chemicals as food and therefore there is a high chance that there will be an inflammatory component to it. So food colorings, food preservatives, food flavorings, artificial sweeteners, all of those things you can kind of look at. And if you look at the typical diet of an American, as they say, the SAD diet or the standard American diet, it is heavily processed, heavily, a lot of foods, a lot of beverages that have a lot of those inflammatory ingredients in them. Um, and we can pick apart why that is all we want, but you know, I think most people would agree it has to do with convenience. It has to do with time crunch. It has to do with a lack of simple cooking knowledge and lack of access to healthier foods in certain situations. So there's a huge, huge problem that, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole in this uh, episode necessarily, but let's shift a little bit and let's talk about, so those are the foods that inflame. Let's talk about the foods that tame the flame, if you will. So common ones are going to be, you know, you've heard of like the healthy fats. I, I hate using that phrase healthy fat versus not healthy fat, but that's what, you know, most people resonate to. So the things like omega-3s and uh, foods like avocados, avocado oil, nuts, seeds, olives, olive oils, different fatty fish like salmon, all of those have anti-inflammatory properties to them, which means when your body breaks them down, it uses those elements and those nutrients to help support and in some cases reduce the inflammatory response that your body is having. Um, so other things would be herbs, lots of herbs and botanical things, garlic, ginger, turmeric, curcumin, those types of foods or herbs, I should say, are great to add in when you're cooking because they, again, get broken down and certain properties and certain um, components of that herb helps to reduce the inflammatory response within the body. Also, I know I've mentioned this before, but a fun fact, if you are going to have like a turmeric or curcumin supplement, make sure, or if you're going to cook with it just in your food, make sure you're adding some black pepper because it really helps to absorb. It helps the turmeric absorb better if you have a little black pepper. So if you're making a dish with turmeric in it, dash a little black pepper in there too. It really helps. Um, again, you can get some of those in supplement form. You can get a garlic supplement. You can get uh, ginger, like in ginger tea and things and, and just cooking with fresh ginger. Um, so lots of different ways that you can get those components in there, but, you know, play around with that, start cooking a little bit more, start adding a little bit more garlic or ginger to your foods or turmeric, um, lots of different benefits to that. Um, other things that help to tame the flame would be 
fruits and veggies. I mean, dark purples and blues and green leafies and the reds, those types of fruits and vegetables contain the polyphenols and the phytonutrients that the body uses to help heal tissue and also reduce inflammation. So again, we're looking at it from multiple different layers. Not only do you want to reduce the things that inflame in the first place, but you also want to heal. You want to help the body heal that tissue. Think about your digestive tract lining for a second, or think about your the inside of your blood vessels. That is tissue. It's epithelial tissue. So you're going to want to have those those little tissue cells heal. Otherwise, they're just going to be inflamed and they can form, you know, uh, sticky plaques on them. If in the case of your blood vessels, but We want to heal it. So not only do we want to reduce the inflammatory response, but we also then want to heal the tissue so that it can be healthy tissue again. So polyphenols, phytonutrients from dark and bright colored fruits and veggies are going to be really, really important for that. So those are a couple of of different kind of tips and a different conversation around inflammation and kind of my two-step approach when that, when I, when I'm working with somebody or when I'm giving a presentation or I'm talking to people about inflammation, I have that two-step approach, and I think that that has been um, really, really helpful in, in helping people to kind of conceptualize what exactly is going on when you do have inflammation in your body. Um, another thing that we didn't really mention, but I want to bring up, is your blood sugar. Uh, you, when your blood sugar is spiked up, naturally, hopefully that's an acute thing. When we eat anything that has carbohydrates or sugar in it, our blood sugar is going to raise. That's just our natural response to it. That's normal. Um, then the insulin is released and then it helps to control and lower back down the blood sugar and it, it removes the blood sugar from the body and helps it get into the cells where it's used for energy. Now, if you are constantly having high carbohydrate, high sugary meals and snacks and, and drinking drinks that have high carbohydrates or high sugar throughout the day, then your body, your body's blood sugar will constantly be elevated And then it's constantly having a release of insulin in it to try and and balance it out. And as I mentioned before, insulin is very inflammatory in the long term. So that is something to really focus on with, uh, even if you are not diagnosed with diabetes or even pre-diabetes, controlling your blood sugar spikes and, and crashes can really be important for helping overall systemic inflammation. And um, there's various ways that you can, of course, do that. Um, but, you know, really focusing on on how often are you having high sugary, high carbohydrate meals? I'm not telling you that you need to go low carb, no sugar. I'm just saying we need to be selective. If you're sipping on sodas from the morning, the morning time all the way to the evening time, your blood sugar is going to be quite elevated because of the intake of that. So you're going to want to help combat that. That can really help to reduce some of the inflammation. All right, so as a quick recap, inflammation is involved in many chronic conditions and acute conditions, but the chronic conditions is what is most troublesome and problematic in our culture, in society right now, across the world. So we are really focusing on finding ways to not only get in more inflammatory reducing foods, but also get in and find ways to reduce the things that are causing the inflammation in the first place. If uh, you have questions on this, if you want more of like a tailored approach to your lifestyle, please reach out to me. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to uh, connect with you and do either a free consultation to see uh, kind of what you're dealing with, what your lifestyle is like, and see if working together is a good fit. 
Um, but really focus on this. Really take a look at your day and are there is there room in your day for additional supportive foods? And are there contributors that are more in your control that you can kind of modify a little bit to help reduce your inflammation, uh, especially that chronic inflammation? It's really important to kind of get a, get control of that and and reduce the ways where you can now before it turns into a chronic issue or a chronic condition. All right. I hope you have a wonderful uh, day. Um, I hope whatever you were doing while you were listening to this, I hope we had fun. I hope we went for a walk or did something fun and exciting. Um, And as always, reach out to me on social media. Tell me what this episode meant to you. Did you learn anything? Are there topics that you want me to dive deeper into? I'm happy to do some research and look into things that are important for you. And I would love to hear uh, your reviews. If you'd be so kind as to leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. that. Those reviews are really important to me because, you know, just talking into a microphone by myself can be a little isolating. I don't know what's landing for you. I don't know what's helpful for you. Uh, And reading some of the reviews has really been fun and it helps me to guide what I talk about. So it's going to be the most supportive for you. And it helps uh, get the podcast in front of other people who maybe haven't heard of it and maybe want to learn some of the things that we are talking about. So leave a review if you'd be so kind. I would be so grateful. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.